anxious to step through the gate again, Major? Yes, I am. We all are. Would you like us to bring back anything special? Uh, no, thanks. Groceries, new outfit, flatware? Hmm. No. Just yourselves in one piece, please. Dial it up. You safe. to the Jumping Puddles podcast. Be sure to listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and or YouTube. And follow us at Jumping Puddles Podcast on Tumblr and Instagram. And Jumping Pod Pod on Twitter. Hi, I'm American Sam. And with me are my fellow co-hosts, Tor and Ash. Hi! Hi! (laughs) And today we're talking about Letters from Pegasus. In the wake of discovering three hive ships closing in on Atlantis, Dr. Rodney McKay manages to give the Atlantis enough t- enough power to dial Earth for 1.3 seconds, which is more than enough time to send all the data the expedition collected so far, as well as personal messages from the team members to their families. Meanwhile, Shepard and Taylor spy on the approaching Wraith ships. Dun dun dun! dun. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I like the espionage. Wow. Of yeah. This one. yeah, it's funny. I never saw it as that, but they that's what they're doing. They are spying <laughs> on the ships so in their little jumper. Yeah. Little so jumper. Cute. I. Okay, so last week, I'm not sure if we said this on the air or not, but both like Ash and Tor were like so freaking excited. They were like, yeah, this episode. And I was like, I don't remember anything about it. I was like, oh, I feel like I'm really excited. So when I rewatched it, I get the hype. I'm so sorry. Oh my god, how did I forget about this episode? Holy freaking shit, it's so good. It's a gold mine. Like, oh my gosh, we're just gonna be praising this episode the entire time because it was beautiful, a masterpiece, dare I say. Yeah. It it is. I it absolutely is. And I, I keep forgetting that it is supposed to be a clip show. Like, I think it was initially, it was planned as a uh, clip show. And it still is a bit of it, um, especially in the beginning. Like, uh, there are a few things, but it is a whole, it has a whole, like, it fits because the um, the clips are not, it's not like, yeah, we did this. And then they show, like, 10 clips of things where they fucked up or whatever. <laughs> And they did it a few times with SG-1, but um, not this time. Not this time. We got we got a whole fucking A plot and a B plot. Um, and yeah, I think it fit together so well. Amen. I think objectively, I know this is the Jumping Puddles podcast. And so maybe there is inherent bias, but objectively the best clip show i say in quotations of the entire franchise 100 percent agree absolutely because i think it's i think it's it's because it doesn't feel like a clip show it feels a bit like a a, a wrap-up which makes sense before the showdown (laughs) of uh the the season but um yeah, it's just so well done. And I feel 
it's a bit because because we um learn again <laughs> a lot about at least some of the characters and it's just again an insight into their lives and what's what's important to them what what they value and we get a few um like also like the b team um <laughs> a few stories and beh- uh, like um background characters um we get a few a bit of that as well so yeah 100% agree with everything you guys have been saying um this is the best clip show by far and i was kind of like really sad that this isn't the only clip show because i could have been like oh this is the best clip show but there's that stupid uh <laughs> war criminals uh clip show season five that we will get to we will get to that one besties mm-hmm. um <laughs> we have a lot to say about that one uh but <laughs> i agree i think it's the best clip show clip show episode and definitely it's because it doesn't feel like the clip show episode exactly like you said like all the good character moments and stuff it's so good and i know um you guys are mentioning like comparing it to sg1 but sgu has a very similar episode a uh, very early on into its run i'm surprised uh i don't know if you've seen it or yeah i think it might be like episode five or six um but it's actually not a clip show episode so basically um okay i could be wrong please tell me if i'm wrong actually i'm probably wrong um but it's an episode basically where it's kind of like showing like the day-to-day of the like ship and how like they're kind of like stuck all in like monotony and there is um some clips of eli like filming the crew being like hey this is your last message like if you ever want to say anything like send it back to earth like this is what you should say and i think it's really interesting that SU did that first so early on. It's like episode five or six into the first season. And then two, when you compare it to this episode, I think it's interesting. It's very interesting because they're virtually in the same uh, scenario, both the De- crew of the Destiny and the crew of Atlantis. But I think when you look at you watch these two episodes or at least watch those two clips of all the characters like saying their goodbyes and stuff i think that's where you get a the true look into what makes these shows so different because even though like atlantis is like you know you know about to die in a way more urgent way than the destiny right <laughs> like it's pretty it's like funny in the beginning right you get the little moment with carson like there's so many good like character moments and they're really sweet and then you get like the really it ends on the sad note where everyone's like you're seeing their final messages and you're seeing that they're sad but the sgu one (laughs) is just the exact opposite it's never funny it's never cheerful really it's it's quite really sad because i I remember correctly they're all just like yeah i'm gonna die i don't want to die here (laughs) and but yeah, it's just interesting that those comparisons can be made. And it's interesting that SGU just went full dark when, if anything, Atlantis had the reason to go that dark and the Destiny did not. <laughs> yeah, just to piggyback off that, I just feel like Atlantis' characters is so to its benefit in general. Like, and I, I kind of liked that it wasn't that early on. Because it adds a sort of air of mystery to the characters where you're kind of building up 
this sort of mythos. So, you know, we already have some sort of like preconceived notions about these people and then these videos that they're sending or choosing not to send to people um, give us even more um, of an insight and maybe it's kind of subverting our expectation or what we thought that character would be like um, or say um, I feel like maybe in Rodney's case that was one um, and Bates as well I think Bates' video message was especially interesting because all we've seen of Bates is him being an asshole. Um, but it turns out that he actually is a sympathetic character. What? I'm saying that? <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. Yeah, and like in just a three-minute scene, it humanizes him. Like, he has this little brother at home who, you know, he doesn't want to say goodbye to directly, but he kind of does. And it not only built his character in a way, but also um, Ford. Because we kind of see their differing um, ideas. We see Ford's naivety, his sort of... He's very young. And so... (laughs) He's like, why aren't you just straight up and honest and, like, say bye in the message? And Bates is like, bitch, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't say, I can't say goodbye. Like, that's, that's traumatizing for the child. So, like, it was interesting seeing their, their differing views on that and what it said about Ford. Diving into one of my favorite uh, dynamics, I think this episode just highlighted that Ford and Rodney had the best relationship out of like the crew and like it wasn't Ford and John like John wasn't super bonded to Ford it was Rodney a hundred percent I will die on this hill I was gonna say I totally agree because um we see them like three times in this episode but in general like we mentioned um scenes with them together in the past uh in the future, also, there's going to be scenes of them, too, um, which kind of feed into this idea. But in the beginning, it even starts with them sort of being on the same wavelength in the meeting, where Ford suggests, oh, let's steal the ZPM from the kid planet. <laughs> and Rodney's like, oh, no, like, that makes sense. Like, he's the only one who comes to Ford's defense to be like, no, that makes sense. Like, I, I get where he was going with that idea. Um, <laughs> and then later on, um, when Rodney gives Ford his tape, and Ford just kind of, like, takes Rodney's eccentricities in, tr- in stride, and it's just like, okay, cool. <laughs> Whatever you say, boss. I just love, yeah, I love their quiet bond. It's so good. Dare I say something bold? Dare I say Ford treated Rodney better than Ronan ever did? Oh! <laughs> Damn! That's interesting! And I'm a, and I'm Ronan and Rodney, like, Dan, I love them to death, but you cannot 
like the amount of times like Ronan like fat shamed Rodney like he never seemed to give a crap about like any of Rodney's rants he's always just seemed like annoyed and obviously like I like to think that wasn't <laughs> like Ronan I like to think it was just the writers for sure who like just didn't know how to give us that relationship in like a healthy way um but I don't know I think I don't know but it'll we'll get into it more when Ronan comes but I just feel like a lot of it is like I don't know, but there's some weird toxic masculinity at play here that I think Ronan doesn't like that Rodney is not like a fighter. He's not a lot of things that he sees in himself or sees in many, many respects. And so I don't know. But anyways, Ford and Rodney, bro. Ford and Rodney. Interesting. Yeah, now I'm like, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, hmm. I'm going to be paying extra close attention now on this rewatch to that for sure. Ford and Rodney would not have had an entire episode or like multiple episodes of them fighting over Keller. Like I'm sure they would have had at least one. Let's be honest. It would have been exciting. It would have little. But I don't believe for a second they would have had like an entire episode where they're like, I hate you. It's like a whole like, meh, you suck. And like, I don't believe that. Hmm. Tor, you you just uh, mentioned uh, like the first scene, like the meeting scene. Oh yeah. And uh, I thought that scene was so interesting. Like right from that, it seemed like everyone was so in character. Like uh, there was um, Rodney was kind of being super sarcastic. Hmm. Um, then with Elizabeth was kind of looking for solutions. Taylor is all like being being calm and reassuring, and Carson is just panicking. (laughs) (laughs) The first scene just kind of said, like, if that was the first episode that a person watched, I think it would be a good introduction to to the team, except maybe Ford, because Ford immediately, as you mentioned, um, (laughs) suggests that that he steal from children. And yeah, this is the one time where Elizabeth is against war crimes. Yeah, and she puts her foot down about it too. She just she says, well, we're never going to go there while I'm in charge, which <laughs> I'm trying to yes. think now. I don't know. <laughs> they definitely don't steal from children. So yeah, I guess she's right. Where did that Elizabeth go? Because <laughs> <laughs> after this... All they had to do was flash some puppy dog eyes, and she was like, all right, fuck it, go ahead. She got beat down. She, lets, she took off the leash. She would literally just take off the leash and be like, go crazy, bitch. And they would just run, scurry off into the gate and be like, yes, mother. <laughs> maybe maybe it stops when it comes to children. Maybe mm. she has, like, I don't know, an issue with children. She just, she's like, no, they creep me out or something. Yeah. He's like, I condone building atomic bombs, but I draw the line at stealing from children. <laughs> Speaking of atomic bombs, <laughs> I think it's interesting. We got like a lore drop where Rodney was like, oh, yeah, I helped refine encoding for the United States Air Force a while back. And I was like, hmm. Interesting. You know, I've always wondered how 
someone like Rodney, who has such disdain for the American military as an institution uh, and what it represents, uh, worked for the U.S. military his whole damn life. <laughs> I'm like, really confused. <laughs> I guess being Rodney, I feel like looking at it through his eyes, he would think like, oh, like this is the opportunity to work and do like the most in my field compared to like anywhere else. If he knew of the existence of the Stargate program. Um, but otherwise, why? <laughs> Can we had Kenan that they just threw him into a van and they dragged him across the border and they were like, um, we can charge you for war crimes. And he's like, what? They, they like basically like, what if they blackmailed him? <laughs> being into the SPC. I mean, <laughs> that's not far-fetched because <laughs> technically, didn't like the CIA investigate him for like building a bomb yeah. in yeah. his grade school class? Well, like <laughs> grade school by under 12, Lord. <laughs> watch him like oh my god okay sorry okay have an idea so let's say like him and his like his friend decide to like take a trip to like um america for the first time and so they cross the border they have like ten dollars to their name like it's just supposed to be like a little fun little trip it's supposed to stop by like i don't know michigan or whatever some shit and they stop by like this little rinky dink little like souvenir shop he's buying something all of a sudden picked up thrown into the back of a van, dragged to Virginia, and they're like, we have you now. And he's like, you can't keep me here, bitch. Like, what have I done? And they're like, the CIA investigated you when you were 12. And he's like, well? And they're like, you're in America now. You're going to the SGC, sir. And that's how he got recruited. <laughs> he was just trying to get some like pizza or some shit he was like oh i want to try like chicago pizza and then he got dragged into the military <laughs> damn he got ganked <laughs> yep that's how it happened mm-hmm. i accept oh my it. god imagine okay. sorry one more thing to add imagine if he went with his boyfriend Aww. his college boyfriend or something and the a U.S. military's like, who's this? And he's like, my boyfriend. Now you can't have me in the military. And they're just like, oh. bitch, just get back in the closet. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. They broke up, though, obviously. Like, I don't know. His boyfriend was like, wait, you can build bombs? And he didn't find that attractive like John. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because he, he sees red flags. He, he was a smart guy. <laughs> Not like John. He's an idiot. It's a green flag for John. It's it's saying all systems go. <laughs> I hate him. Therapists wish therapists wish they could look inside his brain. Speaking of which, let's talk about John in this episode. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, well. First things first, after that little tete-a-tete and meeting uh, in the beginning of the episode, I thought that, you know, um, 
Elizabeth and John's sort of differing priorities were interesting, where I felt like Elizabeth's focus was more, we've done what we can here, so let's focus on what we can do for Earth and, like, warn Earth about all the shit that's happening. And then John's like, but what about us? <laughs> or, you're gonna, no? Okay. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but then afterwards, I thought what was really interesting was his and Taylor's sort of ethical argument in The Jumper. First, I thought he was such an asshole for saying, like, oh, you know, I've had years of training in the military and they teach us, like, when it's okay, when we can save people and, and when we can't, like, when to differentiate between the two. And I'm like, bitch, Taylor has literally lived under, like, subjugation of the Wraith for, like, her whole damn life, like, when she was, like, a baby. And you think, like literally under the threat of genocide her whole existence. And you think, like, you're 10, 15 years in the military compares to that? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> especially, like, not to throw shade, but, like, on the side of the aggressor, like he would be, versus her, where she's more of, like, in, in like, the lower, like, technologically against the Wraith, they would not be on par. Um... So, yeah, I thought that was shady. Um, <laughs> but also this idea that John could not be fucked about other people. Um, that is not his family. Exactly. Because as soon as Taylor says, you can leave. I'm going to stay here and wait for Orem. But, like, don't expect me to come with you if you decide to leave. Only then is John like, okay, I guess we can wait. Because he's like, bitch is ready to bounce. Like, if Taylor was like, okay, fine. Like, but because she is like, no, I won't leave with you. He's like, oh, okay. I guess we're staying. Also, can I just say, obviously we know the writers hadn't, like, figured out any of his backstory. But real fucking brave of John to be speaking and saying shit like, Oh, we're learn. We taught how to learn how to like uh let people go. Like, how- sir, you got blacklisted from the military. Those people who taught you how to do that because you went back to save your friend. Real brave of him to be speaking. <laughs> he has no right to. He's delusional. He's he's just a little delusional. Oh, big time! And now that you mention it. <gasps> Yeah, like, I feel like maybe I'm connecting the dots. Like, maybe this is, like, him trying to protect Taylor in a way. Like, you know, it went wrong for him when he decided to go against orders and, like, rescue somebody who meant a lot to him. So, like, he doesn't want Taylor to go through that. And, like... Because it, it didn't just lead to, like, professional loss for him. Like, okay, he was, uh, he got the black mark or whatever. But he also, like, lost the person <laughs> he went to go save. So I don't know if that was his, like, protectiveness coming out. Like, he wanted to protect her from experiencing that. Or he just really is that pig-headed. <laughs> 
but very interesting. Somehow, I don't think that um, that was the reason that he wanted to protect her from going through what he did. I think it's that's my personal opinion. I think it's because um, of the whole family thing and that he would literally die for his found family, which is a pretty strong uh, theme in this episode, I feel like. I don't know if he if he thinks that far. Um, sorry. <laughs> we're, just, we're just dragging John here again. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. Yeah. He, he kind of deserves it. <laughs> mm. Especially this episode. Yeah. I think it was also funny how um, before he and Taylor left, um, Elizabeth told him, specifically ordered him not to take under the hive ships, which sounds like a pretty John thing to do. Yeah, like say, might have tried. if it was Atlantis at Jeopardy, then I feel like he would try whatever he could <laughs> with the jumper, you know? But oh, be- yeah. because it wasn't, um, he was like, yeah, no, hell no, I'm not doing that. Interesting, because it's, I don't know, the whole, like, we really see with those Taylor and John scenes, like, how selfish she can really be. And how a very, like, one-track mind. And I kind of want to talk about Taylor, because, bitch, this is her best episode yet. This is her best episode yet. I am obsessed with everything about her in this episode. I think the way from the beginning, again, I love that her and Elizabeth were both like, we are not going to steal from children. Okay, Mothers, co-leaders of Atlantis, were putting their foots down. And she was very, like, turned off by Ronnie and Ford even suggesting it. She's like, it would be the highest, like, dishonor for her to, like, commit that crime. Um, and I think, uh, it makes me so sad because I think this is, would have been so interesting to explore, you know, cause like we see this again in the future with like Michael and like other things the team does. She, she'll like say like, oh, I don't agree with this. And they're like, anyways, like they'll just bulldoze over her. Like if she didn't say anything, they don't really care about her opinion. But I think in this one, I don't know, like it was just sort of the best that it's ever going to be of her kind of like putting her foot down and being like no I'm not going to do this and kind of like with Elizabeth it makes me sad that like they kind of just immediately lost that or I don't know when I mean not say immediately but they lose that very quickly after season one they just kind of are like yeah go ahead John like yeah do that um (laughs) so I just wish they had kept some of their headstrong personality. And I think this is the beginning of Taylor's best arc. This one and the next episode for sure. I'm going to say something that's might be a little controversial. From a personal standpoint, I want to blame, as I always like to blame, the writers for that one, but also the audience. Because I feel like to a male audience... Uh, you know, an Elizabeth and a Taylor who say yes all the time is a lot more palatable than um, ones that wouldn't. Because this is why people didn't like Daniel. Because Daniel was always like, why do we have to fight about it? Why can't we just, you know, 
do this or like talk about it. And people hated that Daniel like was always preaching peace. And so I feel like similarly, people would have similar attitudes towards Elizabeth and Taylor for wanting to do things the smart way and not like with our P90s blazing. <laughs> you know, constantly. But I don't know. That just might be me, but. Speak your truth, queen. No, you literally <laughs> nailed that on the fucking head. And that's like, for example, I was, oh, we didn't even get to talk about this. We were too busy ranting about everything else. But I'm on season four of DS9. And like to hear that like so many people like at that time, and even now, like don't like Kira Norris. And she's one of the best characters in sci-fi ever. And because she's very similar to Taylor, where she ha- she's been under subjugation. She did all this stuff to get under, uh, like, out of it. And, like, she's still angry, but she has other emotions, too, of course. But, like, she's valid in a lot of her points when she's, like, Federation is, like, doing this. Or, like, this is what's happening, you know? And, again, it's that good old-fashioned... Uh, sexism misogyny take your pick yeah um that like she's not like a completely loved character you know and the same thing goes for taylor like oh um yeah no you are so right um to what you said that's so interesting because i i, I never thought about it that way we talked about it in um before I sleep a lot, what did we didn't understand why people don't like Elizabeth. And yeah, Tor, just what you just said, that might actually be a reason and that may, makes me extremely sad. And anyways <laughs> I'm so glad that um Taylor stood her ground in this episode and that she I just love how big her heart is sorry if this sounds cheesy but it's just she she's friends with so many people she's um she cares about so many people like not just the Athosians, um but about all her trading partners and it's 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 so wholesome to see just that not everything has like not everything has to be a competition and you can have good relations with people who are not from your own world or um yeah i think that's that's something i really value in taylor and they convey it in this episode again and then even if um later in the episode um like after the the planet is attacked and she sees people running from the village which is uh being overrun by Wraith and she sees these people and they are not, she doesn't know them personally it seemed like um, and they are not um, Orin, the person and his family who they are waiting for and she still takes them in and tells them that they are safe with her and um, like John would never (laughs) (laughs) sorry to bring that back back it, but yeah, that's that's something I I think that's that's really cool about Taylor and yeah. No, it's completely fair of you to say because he was angry at her at first, um, for bringing more people in the jumper, and part of me understands because there is limited space, and if we're like talking spacecraft and like life support, 
Like, you can only fit so many people <laughs> in your ship um, before you're all going to die, before you get to where you need to go. Um, but jumping back to Taylor, I feel like you're so right. And not only is her her devotion to the people of Pegasus, like, it's not it's not an obligation to her. It's just, like... Or, like, surface level. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels so genuine and so true. Um, like, even the little little tiny scenes we get of her, like, setting out the water for them. Like, getting ready for them to come in. And, like, her consoling them. Like, I feel like she's the most personable of all the team members. <laughs> like, she's the only one who, like, can actually talk to people on a human level. <laughs> She's the mom friend. She is. She is the only one, the only adult, the only one with the brain cell. They would be nothing, nothing without Taylor. No. Also, okay, kind of random, but since we're on the topic, um, it's kind of funny. Oh, I'm gonna make some people mad right now, but I feel like it's kind of funny because I feel like the people who usually but the most heads in this show are Taylor and John. And it's wild to me that they're meant to be love interests. <laughs> they are constantly fighting. <laughs> like, maybe not, like, actually, like, like you know, like, fully fighting. But, like, she's constantly the one to be, like, bringing him back. You know, that one clip uh, in Irresponsible where he's like, I want to go kill Koya. And she's like, no, you can't. Like, <laughs> very much the mom... Like, she, he's like, mother, I crave violence. And she's like, uh, what? <laughs> um, very much that vibe. And I don't know. I feel like... And then, don't even forget, like, her, when she gets pregnant, they have a huge fight where she's like, I can still go on missions. And he's like, that's not true. Like, you're putting yourself in danger. And, like, they get into these fights all the time. And so, again, it just blows my mind that they were supposed to be love interests. Because I feel like... Like, it's not even, like, bickering, like, cute. I feel like, fundamentally, they just disagree on so many levels. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been thinking about that, too, that, like, in this episode, Taylor and John got paired up again. And they disagree all the time. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I... Uh, to like to just talk about with, with uh, John Taylor shippers about all these episodes and scenes that I watch and I see them paired up or I see them in a scene and I well no like in some teams in some scenes I can see where they are coming from but yeah like in in this in this episode just not at all they are bumping heads all the time. But yeah, they have these fundamental differences of what's right and what um, they see as important and <laughs> who they see as family um, or who they consider uh, worth saving even. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really, really interesting. Yeah, and it's not like in like a cute, sexy way. Um... <laughs> You know, like they're fighting, but it's like a like a ooh, like ooh, 
Like, they're taking digs at each other way. Um, particularly, there's one line of dialogue that I'm obsessed with in this when they're arguing. And then I think John says, what do you want from me? And Taylor's like, too much, I fear. And that is like, just, that is, that spells it out completely for me why I just don't think they work on a fundamental level. Like, he just cannot give her what she needs, you know? Um, no fault of hers, all his, it's all his, it's all his problem. Um, but yeah, I just, no. Once again, I think we can see who was writing this show. Um, <laughs> and I wonder how many of the writers had uh, mommy issues. <laughs> Lord, just go to therapy. Don't put us through it. Goddamn. <laughs> Damn. The way that they literally say they sound like divorced parents who like hate each other but still have to be there for their kid. The fact that she's like too much. <laughs> Girl, that parallels Nancy. That's what Nancy. I don't know. Yeah. Just interesting, interesting observations. Spicy. And going Mary. back to that argument also, I forgot to mention, um, John literally, with his chest, is like, these words exactly, I wouldn't help someone close to me if it jeopardized the mission. Bitch. That's such a lie! <laughs> oh my god. That is like the biggest lie I've ever heard in my life. They really had no idea what they were going to do with John. Because this motherfucker, <laughs> like three seasons or two seasons later, will refuse to give anyone up. Will go to the ends of the earth to save the people he cares about. And I think, you know, a point can be made here that maybe it's just like him trying to push people away he's been you know last time he tried to save someone they died and then he ended up in antarctica for who knows was it months years i don't know but he was there um for a long time um so it could be seen i kind of read it as like at least that line specifically i like to read it as like okay he's just saying things he's <laughs> just trying to put up a front because he's trying not to let them like see it we literally see it three episodes later in the siege when he literally gives up his life uh to give atlantis more time so he's so goofy also can we talk about how he mentions two times that he doesn't have anyone or not any family on earth that he wants to send a message to like it's i think it's in the beginning and Elizabeth, I think Elizabeth asks him if he is going to to send or if he doesn't want to send a personal personal message, and he's like, ah, oh, no. Is there a scene of Emma mixing it up with Rodney? At the end, yeah. so there's that yeah. scene with Rodney yeah. in the beginning, and then that scene with John at the end, where she's like, "So are you gonna do a message?" And he's like, "No," and then she's like, "Okay, well you're oh. gonna do this one." Yeah, yeah, okay, so, yeah, okay, so it's in the end. He says no, and then he 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 does the message for the family of um, Sumner 
And he mentions in that tape, like he 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 starts it like, yeah, I don't know if Sonna's family is still alive. Um, not not all of us do have families. And it's it's like in half in a half a sentence. And I think by saying we, he means himself and probably a few others who don't have might not have anyone at home. And I thought it was to me it was so outstanding that um he doesn't have a family and he's aware on earth and he's aware of that and he might even be aware that yeah, not everybody else has one too. And that's yeah, kinda cool. Not cool, but it's <laughs> it would be it would be nice to like think that he he's aware of the situations of a few other I think uh you know I really wish we got more insight into him and his family um because we do get that episode season four however his dad's already in the casket there's like (laughs) (laughs) the most one of the most interesting dynamics they could have had we could have seen on screen half of him is gone so we just get leftover like little hints and pieces and like fans like make up the rest you know um but man, do I think it's interesting that season one, he was like, yeah, I don't have any family. He, like, there is so much that we don't know about what happened with his father, what happened with his brother. And, like, Nancy, too. He didn't even want to make a message for Nancy. Like, he was, he cut off all ties from Earth, you know? And I think, oh, it makes me so sad that his father passed away before we could see them interact because there's just so much left unsaid and fans have to fill in the blank. And obviously like that can be fun. Um, but I know people write, it can go from extreme, <laughs> you know, some people go full. His dad was, you know, you know, Satan incarnate. <laughs> so like John is just being dramatic, you know, <laughs> there's a whole range, you know, and I just wish we got like canon information on, how far where he was on the spectrum yeah and it, it's always been such a fascinating piece of the john shepherd puzzle um like trying to connect this john who says he doesn't have any family um or implies that he doesn't have any family um to the john in season four where we see he very much so does have a family that he was very much estranged from so it's just yeah, it's really interesting to try and determine what exactly went wrong there with all the little bits of information that he gives us throughout the series. Like, I think the only other thing he really says is, like, he mentions something about his father. Um, and it's like, okay, so was your father a hard man to love? Like, to get to know? To talk to? Um... Were your worldviews just so divorced that you, like, could never see eye to eye? Or was it, like, was he bad? Like, did he cheat on your mom? Like, did, like, was there some bigger trauma there? Like, I don't know. And I will always be so fascinated by the different places that fic writers take that relationship in particular. Um, Even with, I think his name was Patrick. Even with Patrick Shepard dead, like, what they imagine it to be. It's just so, oh, it's so interesting. Um, so 
Par- I partially like that canon leaves it sort of a mystery, because that way we get all this cool speculation. Um, but other times I'm like, damn, like, I just want to know. <laughs> and I wish, like you, Sam, that we could have seen them interact at least once on screen, just so I could get a vibe uh, between them. Ooh, it would have been fun if we got, like, this would have never happened. Like, they, the writers or producers would never do that. But you have, like, a, um, a few flashback scenes in the episode where his father dies, where he goes to Earth. And just, like, a few flashback scenes with him, maybe as a kid with his father or or as a teenager or something like that. To have, like, yeah, something uh, to know what's what's... What was going on there? Or maybe even see the point where they, um, the relationship um, broke. Oh man, a teenage John, his father. Yeah, I would die. I would die. I would pay money for them to have done that. That's interesting. Oh man. Especially with like, I love the headcanon. I just sort of like matched the two that John's father was once in the military. <laughs> it just adds even more a layer of this whole family dynamic is fucked. <laughs> it adds flavor. And whether his yeah, it adds a little spice. <laughs> and whether his mom is like just absent or she passed away when he was younger, both suck. So he was just in a house with his dad and his brother. And as the older one too, all the pressure not fitting in or maybe he did fit in maybe he tried to make himself fit in in high school and then it worked a little too well and that's why his dad was like all right marry nancy (laughs) i don't know there's just uh or maybe that was in college but like uh and surfer boy john in california (laughs) zone zone he was definitely oh my god he was definitely smoking pot in california (laughs) He was definitely, <laughs> definitely just experimenting, and oh, oh man, I I could write an essay. We could write a thesis together, guys, <laughs> on what John's life could have been or would have been, and just go so many different paths. Yeah, there's literally so many different ways you could take it. Another interesting tidbit uh, about John in terms of like the video. That he did, I feel like it was interesting when he was like, um, when he said that he wished Sumner was still there. And I think a part of that was genuine. I honestly think that he does not, like, and I think this episode kind of screamed it from the rafters. He does not want the responsibility of, like, being the guy in charge and making those decisions. Like, nah. He wants to be, like, the reckless lackey who gets to come in and, like, save the day and doesn't have to worry about what's going to happen when he's not there. Um, and now that Sumner's gone, he can't do that. I think that's so interesting that you use the word the guy. Because I was going to say that just parallels directly uh, your brain tour. <laughs> um, to his season, the opening of season five, when he's trapped under the, ru- under the rubble. 
and he's like telling Ronan, he's like, well, I'm the guy, the guy. Ronan's like, bro, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to save your life. Um, <laughs> but he's he's like, just leave me. Like, I'm the guy. Like, this is what I do. And Ronan's just like, no, I'm not going to leave you. I think that's so interesting that in the beginning, you're right. Like, he's very much like, I don't want this responsibility. Uh, but somewhere along the way, he just kind of accepted that as his role. Um, which can be seen as a positive or a negative. John's uh, suicidal uh, tendencies. <laughs> uh, that is a discussion for another time. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and just to wrap up the John stuff really quick, because, uh, oh man, we are going to John rant. <laughs> um, little, some, something really interesting I noticed uh, was that a lot of the team don't really call him John in the first season. They all call him Major. Yeah. yeah. I think is so interesting. Um, yeah. And I'm really excited to see if that continues in season two. Because I know, obviously, once he gets promoted to uh, Lieutenant Colonel, uh, obviously, they don't call him Lieutenant Colonel. <laughs> so they really stop doing that, you know, end of season two, beginning of three. But I'm wondering if it still continues until season two or if it's like, Oh, the team is more comfortable now. They can say John. Um, I wonder. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's interesting because names and titles, I feel like, are so important um, in life in general. And I feel like it says a lot about where the characters are at with each other. Like when we hear them speaking or like even culturally uh, can say a lot about them. Because I feel like Taylor uses his first name, like, the most of everybody. Or maybe Ronan, I'm not sure. Um, and then, like, Rodney using Shepard instead of calling him, like, Colonel. Because um, he can't say Major anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just interesting, interesting dynamics. I'm excited to explore that in the future. Uh, speaking of Rodney, I have to mention, uh, I really, 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 really love, no, not that scene, the scene with him and Elizabeth, <laughs> where, uh, <laughs> Elizabeth's like, oh, are you gonna do a message? And Rodney's like, yeah, with all the free time I have, I'm gonna do a message <laughs> to somebody, like, all sarcastic. And he's like, are you gonna send, like, a message to somebody? And she's like, Yeah. And doesn't, like, explain. And Rodney's like, oh. <laughs> okay. So you have somebody to send a message to. But, like, doesn't say anything. He's just, like, he just walks away awkwardly. I love that scene so much. <laughs> it's so, it's so funny. I think it shows again that Elizabeth is just such a private person. And she only gives away like tidbits of her of her life, and I I kind of assume that Rodney knew about Simon, but maybe also he didn't. Maybe he didn't because she. I don't think she like. Of course, she never told talked to anyone on screen about him. Um, but yeah, that's that's so funny that <laughs> that Rodney is so awkward about it. But it's not the only message that Elizabeth records, which um, brings me <laughs> elegantly <laughs> to 
to to talk about Elizabeth. I just I thought my love for her peaked in uh before I sleep, but clearly this episode just makes her in even so much better and even such a more interesting character and that I don't know I don't suppose she was um obligated to make all these videos for the families of the people they lost but she did she did a she did a fucking video for each and every family we talked about this before we don't know how many people we lost so far and they kind of go through a few of them so we see a few of the deaths of like the red shirts of Atlantis <laughs> which is which are mostly blue shirts I feel like yep <laughs> but and I, I just admire that and we see again um just how much she cares as a leader how important her her crew is to her even if she's not super close with everyone I think she she maybe she tries or she at least wants to 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 know something at least about all of them and also in the end what I really loved was that Ford asked her if she's okay or if there's anything and she says, yeah, just just give me a moment, okay? And I think that's kind of a takeaway that she got from, from Before I Sleep. Sorry to bring the episode up again. But it's the same. Uh, it's like she still she's still taking advice from her older self to don't be so hard on uh on herself, to to give herself time and to just sometimes just breathe for a moment because the thing she did uh, is just fucking overwhelming and horrifying and maybe even traumatizing she goes through, through all those deaths and she's not a military person she's a fucking civilian and yeah I, I, I really love that we saw her her record those messages and it affects her personally but she doesn't give up and she just she keeps walking and and running shit on Atlantis sorry that was kind of long <laughs> no i no. agree she she has a grace about her despite you know the sadness and the hardship and the fact that that's, like, a job she could have delegated to Rodney and John as their department heads, um, but she did it herself, and she made each message, like you said, unique, that's, that's a lot about her character and who she is as a person, for sure. And, and, sorry, one more thing. <laughs> um, I, I think... First of all, I think it's interesting that all the communication, like actual communication we have seen between her and Simon has only been via video. <laughs> because in, a, in in Rising, she sent him a video of her saying goodbye and explaining herself. And now she's sending him a video again. And 
she's not exactly bro- breaking up with him, but she's telling him not to wait for her to be free anymore. And I, <laughs> be free. Um, and I think I, I love the episode. I, I love this. I love this episode. Yes, but I also love the scene because it. I think you can see that she, or you get that you that she cares about Simon, but that she also realized that she was being unfair, and um, I think also that in her life, just everything has changed. I don't think she's the same person than she was nine months ago or whenever she she left, and I think she just. It's it's a tiny thing, this this clip of her saying that, but I think it shows a bit the whole process, like uh, internal process she's been through in the last few months. And I'm probably interpreting too much into it, but I really, really like that. And um, I also think it's cool from a shipping perspective that she now doesn't really exactly have a boyfriend anymore. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a great point. I think that she has grown. And I like to think that, like, she's realized that, like, she deserves better. (laughs) Yes, that too. Um, I think it was... uh, It was selfless of her to do that in a way, because she's staring down the barrel right now. Like, she could probably die, like, in the next couple days. So, like, she's kind of giving him an out, in a way. Like, I might never be able to communicate that I'm dead or alive after this fight, so I'm not gonna leave you hanging. Be free to do whatever you want. But I also think that makes her reaction to certain developments that occur in the second season very interesting. Um, but we'll get there eventually. <laughs> Not right now, but soon. Yes, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Spicy. I don't know, it's... It's kind of wild to me that people could watch this episode and still think Elizabeth is a, a bad leader for Atlantis. Not, again, to bring into the negatives or anything, but she really went above and beyond. And the fact that, like, she asked Rodney and she came up with the idea to, like, hey, we should send videos and stuff. And, like, I don't know. Just, like, the way she thought of everyone and, like, what their needs were. And how their morale was going to be if they didn't get to do this. And she said, fuck it, you know, like, hey, we could just send them full information or we could be human and send them things to make their families feel better. And I think that's just such a pivotal, early, a crucial part of her character. Not only is that she's a civilian, but she has these very real human emotions that just feel so natural that I just don't think we see in any other base leader on Atlantis. Like, I don't think, no offense, Sam was not a good leader of Atlantis, but it wasn't her fault. It was the writing. But still, regardless, I think the writing was pretty bad for her. So she didn't get to show a lot of, I think, what the character had in SG-1. 
However, like, so I think Wolsey kind of tops her as the leader of Atlantis. But even even Wolsey, I don't think he could ever reach that same level of care and consideration that Elizabeth had. And I don't know, it's just really, it's really inspiring. It just really hits home, it hits close to the heart to realize how much, you know, we've analyzed that she she loves Atlantis so much and she has such a connection to the base. And uh, it's just so sweet that it's not only just the base, like she has these connections to these people. And I honestly feel like you could just feel the love everyone has for her. Like the little moment where Kavanaugh, fucking bitch ass Kavanaugh, sorry, Kavanaugh was a, he crossed the line, whatever. You can like, you can be a Kavanaugh, like, I don't know, defender or whatever. You cannot defend him from this episode. Yeah. Like even before, like what he did, like, okay, whatever, like, whatever, make your arguments. This episode, you're joking. He spent the only time he had left to say a goodbye message to complain about her. Like, are you kidding me? If that was a if that was a military leader on a, on Atlantis, he would have been s- stranded on an island like 26 weeks ago. Like, they would have drop kicked his ass. Okay, so that little to see that little moment though of Ford being like, "Are you gonna complain?" Okay, well, bye. I don't want to listen to this. Like. <laughs> it's not even like we've seen like this huge like Ford Elizabeth relationship but I think it just shows that even then like anyone who's on the base has seen how much she's done for everyone and like respects her on this insane level that he just walked the fuck out (laughs) absolutely and yeah Kavanaugh what the fuck he really he's like he's like one of those those People who watch a show or a movie just to pick out all the bad things about it. Like, who who purposely watches a movie to complain about it. And, yes, maybe there were some things that didn't go... (laughs) There were were a lot of things that didn't go right on Atlantis these past few months. But he, he blames Elizabeth... For the wraith coming. I mean, I can understand if you don't agree with some of her decisions, that's fine. Um, Maybe not all of them led to the best outcome. But that also doesn't mean that if she had decided in a different manner, that things would have gotten better. Or that... I think he just, he takes everything personal. Everything she does, he takes personal. And, um, yeah, he's, he's just such a fucking bitch. I just wrote down, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I really like, there's an episode. Oh my god, I don't remember what episode exactly. But it's, like, early on in season five when Woolsey is the base leader. And basically it's, like, his first day or something on the job or whatever. And, like, at the end of the episode, there's a little scene where he's, like, nothing went to plan. He's, like, how the fuck am I going to explain this to Iowa? And John's, like, or someone's just, like, welcome to Atlantis. Like, this is the place. (laughs) And I just think that, like, oh, that just mirrors so much of what Elizabeth does in the first season. Where, like, nothing goes to plan here. All your plans go out the window on Atlantis. There is no planning. Something's going to go wrong. And you're going to have to commit, like... 26 human rights violations to fix it and like 
they're not going to like it back on Earth. But what other choice do you have? And so I don't know. I think just think that's really interesting. Because um, again, look at all the shit Woolsey pulled. I don't remember some of it because I don't watch the five <laughs> very often. But like, <laughs> I don't see Woolsey getting dragged through the mud every three seconds, calling him like a bad base leader. And he wasn't, but like, I don't know. You can just see the similar similarities. Oh, let's just, yeah, let's just get into the messages, actually. Okay, I'm just going to say it. Carson and his mom are cute. So they cute. Are. I know we haven't historically been the biggest uh, <laughs> Carson stands. <laughs> In fact, uh, we mostly, like, changed everything about his character. Uh, but... <laughs> No, I think him being a mama's boy is just so freaking adorable. And I just love their bond. I wish we actually got to some more of it. Yeah, like in the pilot when she's like putting the food in front of him. <laughs> on the little like sequence so they're saying goodbye to everybody. That was so cute. So I love the callback to um, his mom because it's clear that he cares about her a lot. Um, I just thought it was really funny how Ford... Uh, was there like he stands behind the camera for everyone's interview and it's so awkward like I wouldn't want to say anything emotional uh in front of Ford not because I don't like Ford but because it's just awkward like ew I don't want to spill my guts in front of someone I work with <laughs> but uh yeah it was funny to have him there like giving commentary um and critiquing Carson's video <laughs> message <laughs> let Carson just help his mom out let, let him help his mom out with her foot problem like that's fine <laughs> especially because like hello he's a doctor if you don't feel comfortable talking to your son who's also a doctor who else are you going to feel comfortable with exactly a sweetie or no judging <laughs> he was he was judging hardcore mm, he was and also later when he when he says, dude, you can't say earthlings. Because <laughs> just she knows I'm from Earth. <laughs> it's true, she gave no, birth to him there. <laughs> she did, yeah. No, that whole scene was just hilarious. Um also uh Carson seemingly not understanding that he just could that he could delete the part that he recorded and just do it again. <laughs> it, was, it was, I don't know, a bit of this... I guess Carson is not that much older than um, Ford, but it seemed like a bit of a, of a generational clash. <laughs> yeah, like Ford has to be there to help like the old people. I say in quotations because <laughs> he's not old, or not that old, um, use the technology. <laughs> It's great. Adorable. So freaking cute. Speaking of Ford, though, his message to his grandparents. Yeah. I'm screaming. Oh, my God. So freaking cute. Oh, my God. I was going to say, I, I liked how it was kind of selfless uh, in a way. Like, I feel like it was to make his grandparents feel better. Like, he was you know, acting really tough, uh, but in a gentle way, like being like, oh yeah, I'm fine, don't worry about me, even though he's like probably going to die soon. Um, I don't know, it just made me, 
It made me feel something for his character for, like, the first time <laughs> in this whole series. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It was a really um, soft moment. And, yeah, we finally got a little bit to his character in this case, um, or in this episode. And it's also a nice callback to to um, the the pilot where he says we see him say goodbye to his grandparents. I think I think they are his grandparents. And um, so yeah, it was it was really really nice. And I wonder why he isn't recording a message for his parents. Um, like, did he did his grandparents bring him up or? What happened to his parents? Yeah, that's a great point. I like how, you know, we have different family dynamics being shown here, like mother and son, and then, like, grandson and grandparents, like, brother, like, siblings. Um, Because not everyone comes from the typical nuclear family. Um, And I think it, it lends truthfulness to the whole episode yeah it just feels genuine you know yeah 100% it just adds it just adds more to each character it's a little a little extra spice um (laughs) uh but yeah I like to I feel like like it's not a leap to be like yeah I feel like Ford was raised by his grandparents like just judging from like the very little interaction we get it seems like he's way closer like they function more as like parental figures rather than grandparents you know um I'd be so interested to know like what like fix do with um that like I wonder if they just like his parents died like or hey if they're still around if they're just like total assholes and like his grandparents took him in you know or if they're just like off maybe they're not assholes maybe they're like researchers in like different parts of the world but they just don't have time for raising a kid I don't know um but I would really be interested to see what fic writers say first of all second I guess I could I guess it'd be down to figure uh to see what the writers were thinking Oh, yeah, and I wonder if it was almost a conscious choice on on Rainbow's part, because I know uh, a lot of characterization of Ford came from him, like his name. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it would be interesting to hear his take on it. His name? They couldn't even name him? His first name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I know. Ford Guy had to do everything. He didn't have a first name for... When did he get one? Was it like last episode or was it this one? But it was super recent, I feel it like. It was recent because I remember him just dropping it like either this episode or the last one. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. The woman was too stunned to speak. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. What? No. No. Because. <laughs> Well, it's not like we're like even the biggest Ford stands around, but I'm about to beat these bitches up. Like, bring me to the writer's room right now. <laughs> Are you insane? One team. And they didn't even give him a first name. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I It's so mean, but I, I sometimes forget that he's part of the flagship team. Yeah. Uh. Because we are we are seventeen episodes in, and this is the first time we see him 
having something to do and not being an asshole, like in <laughs> yeah. the eye. Um, yeah. You know, fucking erratic in season one has gotten more. Yeah. Than right. He has a last name and a first name. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like, I know, like, behind the scenes, they were like, me, 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 like, uh, like, we just couldn't do what we wanted because, like, we wanted, like, Thor to be, like, the guy that, like, just ran in head first. And so, but he was military, blah, blah, blah. So we couldn't do that. So we replaced him with Ronan. I don't give a shit. I don't care. That's a flimsy ass excuse. Like, that's so ridiculous. Like, you could still have him be that type of character. Like, just because he's military. Like, he's so young. And they literally, they literally, like, make it a point, like, later on that, like, oh, he can be an asshole, like, when he's, like, taking control and stuff. Like, okay, like, why couldn't they just be like, oh, He's also shitty at, like, listening to orders, and so he doesn't really listen to John, so he's always running off and stuff. Like, no. It's just so lazy on their part. And I'm so mad on behalf of Rainbow's... Um, I'm on Team Rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) Yeah. Justice for Ford, honestly. I feel like now that we are nearing the end of the season, he's getting... A tiny bit more to do and a tiny bit more personality and then we get to the finale <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, that's what i was gonna say i feel like they're giving us this like tiny little bit of like scraps and being like oh yeah here's what Forrest's character is like he he and then because these <laughs> bitches know because they know what they're gonna do to him oh, oh. they know they're like oh yeah isn't he, isn't he fun? Isn't he, like, kind of nice now? Like, does, does he, like, he can, like, he has some bonds here. And then I'm just gonna yank him away at the end of season one. Like, I see, I see y'all. I see them. <laughs> I see what they're doing. And I'm mad. I'm mad. Sam, since you mentioned Radek earlier, we have to talk about his tape, right? <laughs> yes. I love the way... Um, I just, I just think his, his tape, his recording is so funny because people who don't speak Czech don't understand a word, and even if you put in subtitles, you just see speaks Czech. Um, so you have no idea what he's talking about, but you know because you see get all the flashbacks, and obviously he's talking about how the city is rising or was rising and I love that he that he remembered that so fondly because it's one of my favorite scenes because it's so fucking beautiful and um yeah it's just I think it's it's very funny and a while ago I saw a post on Tumblr um that had like translated what he was saying and he was yeah just explaining um how the city rose from the ocean and how beautiful it was and oh I love that yeah, I love his message in particular. And I know, like, they, they just wanted to reuse the CGI scene because they paid so much money for it. So, like, <laughs> let's shoehorn it in again. But I feel like Radic should be the one who they use that flashback on um, in particular because I feel like his character is so... Like, he's the guy who fixes everything, and he's there with, like, the last-minute saves, and he understands the city, you know? Like, he's the city's doctor, in a sense. So I feel like, yeah, he was the perfect person to to say how beautiful it was um, to see the city rise. Oh, 
Oh, I can't believe you called him the city stop. That's so cute. That's adorable. I feel like, okay, if we had to like rank people who the base loves the most, <laughs> I honestly would put Radic in top five. Maybe even. For sure. Yeah, no, top five for sure. Yeah, because he's always one of those who who figures who who finds out new things about a city, who finds out new um like the consoles and tries to figure out what they do. He's the one who found accidentally, I think, the deep space scanners, whatever yeah. it was. <laughs> um he's the one who this is not the fun part, but he's the one who's going to create like the self-destruct for the city. Um, so he knows the city so well. And oh, I love that you called him the city doctor. That's <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. He he's protective, like of the consoles. He doesn't want the geek yes! to like eat on. <laughs> he helps to interface Earth technology with Atlantis technology. I don't know. I just feel like. Yeah, he's the one. Okay. Can we talk about Miko? Yeah! Yes! <laughs> okay, let's get the unpleasant stuff out of the way. One, don't love the accent. Don't mm. love the over-exaggerated accent. And two, the whole I will serve him thing, it bleh, feeds into such problematic and ancient stereotypes especially for asian women um so big middle finger to the writers for that screw y'all assholes <laughs> yeah. um however we love miko here we are miko yes. stands she's great fic does her better of course mm. well occasionally fic will do her justice let's remember that atlantis fic was written decades ago <laughs> years ago yeah. So it doesn't always have the best representation or the best um Yeah. But <laughs> we love Miko here. We love Miko. And I fucking love her montage with Rodney. It's one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> yeah, the scientists in Atlantis are like the most fascinating, I think, um group. Or social group. Like, I just want to study them. Like, I want to be a fly on the <laughs> wall of them, like, arguing about some new technology that they found or doing experiments in the lab. Like, I just want to see them functioning as a unit um, way more than we got to see them on the show. And, again, Fix does a great job of, like, taking these scientists that we meet one time on they're in one episode of the show and just expanding on them and... And stuff. Um, but yeah, it was a delight to see Rodney interacting with his uh, quote-unquote minions in the lab. Uh, particularly Miko, because she's just so great. <laughs> and I can't help but smile when I see her. Actually, you know what? I think there was one fic that I read that is just about her. And it does the... It's like, before I sleep, but what if it was Miko? And I think it was really good and really interesting. If I can find it, I will link it in the show notes for sure. Um, and I will send it to you guys as well. <laughs> yeah, please. Oh my um, god. Yeah. Amazing. Because Atlantis Genfic is just so good. Um, 
so yeah, I will I will do some investigating <laughs> on that front. Uh, okay, first thing, a sudden idea just popped into my head. Is there like any fix? Like we need like an office style <laughs> fix of the Atlantis Science Expedition. Yes. The whole base, honestly. But I think it'd just be so fun just to focus on the science expedition. Oh my god. I think it'd be so much fun. With the zoom ins. (laughs) (laughs) So good. I'll write that down, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, hey, if anyone wants to write that fake, go ahead. Just like at me. Um, I'm writing that down because that's a fun edit idea. It would. Oh, oh my. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyways, that was, the, that was the first part. Second part, though, I just love, like, it makes me so sad that we never got, I know it's supposed to be in season six, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But I get so sad we never got, like, um, a lower decks, you know, version of Atlantis. And again, uh, guys, where's the fake, please? Um, <laughs> but I think it would have been so much fun. And I think, it's so interesting when you get to see, you know, your main characters in the eyes of someone else, in the eyes of, like, other people who actually, like, you know, see them day to day and, like, know them pretty well. And so I love that we get to see how Rodney, like, acts, really, with, like, the science <laughs> expedition. Because it's something that's, like, never really, you know, they don't really they don't do that often. They don't utilize that trick very often. And so... It's so good. It's very effective. And I just wish we got more of like, you know, more to see from other people on the expedition. Yeah, definitely. And just, yeah, I would I would kill for a Lower Decks, Atlantis Lower Decks episode. That would be so funny. I, ugh, I can't even imagine what kind of stuff all the uh, scientists come up in, either their free time or even while they are working. Because there's going to be... Atlantis is huge. They have explored a fraction of the city so far. And they don't even show all the things they are they are finding. So I really want to know what, what fucked up stuff they <laughs> find. And what the, like, there's got to be some really, really weird rooms that are created by the ancients. Like, they were up to some sketchy th- shit. <laughs> Oh, yeah, guys, guys. (laughs) What if this, oh, what if they, like, walk in and they're like, oh, my God, this is the library. They think it's a library, but it's not. It's really, like, some, like, ancient, like, sex room. Um, (laughs) Some shit, they're like, yeah, this is the library or some, like, bullshit like that. Like, oh, I can just imagine, like, the shenanigans. And fucking, like, I know um, I said this in a Tumblr post once, but I'm sure that was, like, a betting pool on Atlantis, you know? (laughs) So, like, every time, like, there'd be, like, bets, like, there'd be, like, big, like, huge, like, Atlantis, like, base betting going on. There'd be, like, this, like, little, like, circle, like, uh, like, the science team would bet, like, how many times, like, Radic would, like, curse behind Rodney's back during a meeting or some shit. <laughs> and then there'd be, like, the big, like, Atlantis ones, like, oh, how many times is Era 1, like, gonna have to, like, get rescued in, like, this month or some shit like that, like, <laughs> It makes me so sad because I think we honestly could have gotten a lot of that in a Lower Decks episode. A hundred percent. Totally. There's one fic, I think it might be my favorite fic of all time for Stargate Atlantis. 
and um, it has like a an underlying plot, but interspersed in between like each chapter or like plot driven thing is like an Atlantis radio show run by two two scientists. So they'll like say like what's going on in Atlantis, and they have like their own like. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, so it's called. <laughs> you better link that. You better send that to us right now. Uh, yeah, it's called Infinity is Incomprehensible, and it's really good. Uh, it's it's at times funny. It's at times sad. Uh, but it's it's great. Um, I highly recommend, and we will link it in the show notes. It's really good. Dude, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Cause now I'm picturing like. Imagine if they had like a like a morning announcement. Ah! A thing on Atlantis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like good good morning. This is blah blah blah. Reporting live from like the broadcasting room from Atlantis. The Wraith are not gonna show up today. So we think it's a great day. <laughs> it's supposed to be cool with like a good 80 degrees with the clouds coming in. A perfect day for you guys to grab your surfboards and head out to the pool room or some bullshit like ah! They also announced the meals and and um, when cof- coffee runs short, it's gonna be a huge problem. <laughs> but they they're gonna announce that as well. Uh, like, make sure you stock up on coffee because we heard that Caldwell is refusing to come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Elizabeth her makes Caldwell's refusing to deliver. And Elizabeth makes like an announcement every day, like she's the principal, like she does like a little <laughs> message. <laughs> She's like, I just want you to know, you guys did great work yesterday. Keep it up. Like, <laughs> motivational little speeches. Yeah. Oh. No. Because I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. This is so good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, like, Lauren or, like, John will occasionally go on and, like, announce, like, <laughs> sports day. Yeah. So be like, like, this Friday, don't forget, is the football tournament down by the lawn. Like... Oh my gosh. And they do those like dorky, um, you know, middle school announcements. Yeah, I work in an elementary school. I hear this every day where they'll like sound off. So they'll like part of them will like read from the script and then the other guy will like read the other part. <laughs> okay, Chuck. Chuck's definitely one of the guys yes. on this damn broadcasting club. Who is it? Chuck and who else? Who do you think would do this? Zelenka, just because I started chipping them. <laughs> I'm so down for that. Oh my god, Catman. I can be multilingual. <gasps> Too. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh, yeah. They have like little t- language sections or something. Yeah, and Taylor can come on and like tell him like, oh, tomorrow's a ocean, like <laughs> God day, like come on down to the mainland and like get your bracelets we're gonna help make for you. Like Oh, oh. <laughs> oh my god, then them explaining to her what she's do what they are doing is just because she would be so interested because it's part of the culture and earth and everything, but she would also be kind of confused. But she would also really, really enjoy being on there. <laughs> totally. Wow. We did that. Oh, Atlantis becomes That's a sovereign her. nation and 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 Taylor comes up with the themes like the anthem and she sings the <laughs> she sings the anthem every morning. 
of the announcements. <laughs> yes. They host a competition where uh, everyone gets to try to design the flag. Yeah. That flag wins. Rainbow flag. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the pride flag with like yes. a jumper in the middle. <laughs> Amazing. I'm not over Taylor singing for the turning announcement. <laughs> She's like, all right, guys, like raise up your hand wherever you are. Or like put your hands up and like sing the, <laughs> sing the song every morning. <sighs> or they do like a little wave, like I don't know. There's different moves I can do. Oh she gets them going. She's like, put your arms up, work, well, they have work like it a out a little dance. bit. They have like a little dance that goes with that. Aerobicize. Stop. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. This is amazing. I want to live in our version of Atlantic. <laughs> I know. Yeah, me too. Our beautiful, our beautiful city with columns and pillars and waterfalls and multiple parts of the city and a big pride flag at the top of the jumper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't forget that. Imagine if the stairs could light up in, in different colors and like the big stairs leading up or down to the Stargate and they did like, oh. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like how they light up oh the gosh. CN Tower for different days and it's like a different color depending. Yeah, it's so good. Because <laughs> uh, now I'm picturing like um, in this version where Zelenka has his bar. All over, everywhere, just covered in the flags. Oh, I'm gonna scream! This is amazing. Why did we do this? <laughs> <laughs> I love our Atlantis. <laughs> Me too. I want to hang out there. I want to go to Zelenka's bar. <laughs> Man. <gasps> yeah. Me too. <laughs> they have karaoke. Ooh, yeah. A friend of mine um, asked at the Stargate Atlantis panel at FedCon if their characters had karaoke, what they would sing. I don't remember all of them, but I remember Tori saying um, Pissing in the River <laughs> by Patti Smith. And, uh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah! I think I, I remember that con video. Yeah, it's, a, it's on Tumblr. <laughs> yeah! <clears throat> oh, man. Now I want to know everyone's karaoke song. Right? Oh, <laughs> Taylor. Oh. Well, she, yeah, she'd blow everyone out of the water, of course. Every time. <laughs> you sh you think she would get, like, not banned, but, like, asked not to sing <laughs> on certain days or certain times so other people would sing too? <laughs> yeah. Because the, everybody's just always so blown away and nobody dares to go up after her. <laughs> exactly. She has to be the last oh, song of the night. Otherwise. Yes. <sighs> oh dear. I love her. <laughs> oh my gosh. Also, kind of side note, but definitely the first people to get married on the base are definitely Lorne and Parrish. And I really believe I really believe they're like the first, like, they're like the ultimate, like, just domestic couple. Like, everyone just sees them as like the, like, couple in love. Like, <laughs> oh. 
We're officially it's a wedding. Oh my gosh, don't even start. Oh my gosh. Maybe John officiates for them. <laughs> would he? Would he though? <laughs> John! It would be so awkward. No, he would be awkward. He would be awkward, okay? Hear me out. He'd be so awkward. But I feel like, I feel like Lauren would ask him and be like, hey, like, it's just like a really like, please. It's a big moment for me. Like, I need you to do this for me. And John's like, shit. And John does it. And he, he literally like, runs really to Taylor's awkward. quarters and is like, help, please help. <laughs> Public speaking. <laughs> He's like, we've gathered here to celebrate love. <laughs> I don't believe in it, but okay. We're here to celebrate it. And he's like, I don't know why. He's like, makes a whole joke about it. Like, I don't know why they asked me. And everyone's like cracking up, like laughing in like the aisles. And he's like, but here we are. Oh, man. I think Elizabeth would for sure. Oh, yes. Like, I, yeah. I just, or maybe, okay, maybe like John just gives like a big speech before. And he, then he backs out and he lets Elizabeth do it. Like the real ceremony <laughs> oh, part. True. But his big speech would also be awkward as hell. It would, it would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, but Elizabeth would love to do it, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, I would really like Elizabeth to do it too. Because I think they'd be like, oh, like she's the one who put us together. Because oh, she put him on the team with yeah. Lauren. It was like a big oh. significant thing. True. I'm a Lord and Paris truther. I have seen the light. <laughs> since since when is it new or just always? Well, I feel like maybe it's kind of new. Well, when did I like just found out? Not just, but like a few months ago. I think we were talking about it maybe one time. But like I had no idea. This is such a big ship. Like back in the day, like I really had no idea. And I feel like I've read a few fix now, and I'm like, okay. I see it. And then I don't know why, but like, I was just thinking about it and I was, I was writing something. Um, what? But I was thinking like, that's when the idea of like Lauren and Parrish just being like the ultimate, like the first couple to get together, like just the ultimate, like domestic, like uh, everyone's like, yeah, that's true love right there. I just feel like they, <sighs> so that kind of, so that's been a little more recently. Uh, but yeah, no, I just, I, I saw the light. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. <laughs> Shall we go back to the episode? <laughs> <laughs> and now, back to leadership. <laughs> Rodney's video message, everybody. <laughs> Thoughts, feelings. Oh, I love him. <laughs> it's just so much. <laughs> Uh, I love oh, he's such an idiot he's such an idiot I hate him I, I hate him he starts out so so pretentious and mm, like yes like such an asshole like the way we know him from SG1 like he stands up straight and his arms are crossed and his, his eyes are fierce and then he just drops it so quickly because he, he can't he cannot keep that up he, that's not no he can't he can't do cool sorry <laughs> no like not that cool if you know. um yeah he he's such an idiot and then he just 
I, I love how they kept cutting back to him and just every time he was at a completely different stage. Like <laughs> at one point he was talking about pets. Yeah. And another he was talking about his first crush or his first kiss or something. And then he sometimes remembers what he was talking about, or maybe there's something important, like at one time he, he says something to Sam, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's also kind of kind of weird. Why do they keep reverting him to this weird SG1 McKay? I don't get it. Every time there's a woman. <laughs> yeah, no, it's bullshit. Because they, they literally continue that through all of Atlantis. And they fucking continue that. And SGU. They literally yeah. make... There's like two jokes, I think. Um, well, when he shows up. For sure, that's, like, the whole sexist thing. But there's a joke even when he's not even, like, in the show about, like, how he's, like, he just, like, stared at this girl's chest one time. Like, this military girl's chest. And it's, like, I will literally leap through my screen. I will find you, whoever wrote these lines. And I will introduce you to my Doc Martens. Like, literally, literally, like, infuriates me. That for some reason they're, like, hey, you know what's going to be a core part of his uh, character that we never let develop? His, like, blatant sexism, his, like, catcalling, his weird, creepy sexual nature with women. They were like, yeah, let's keep all that. Like, like what is going on in your brain, genuinely? Like, it makes me so mad. I think they thought it was funny. Um, it's, it's not. Oh, it's really not. It's... Well, this goes back to, like, later... Um, I just feel like he sort of becomes a caricature of himself and that is a big part of it. Um, but yeah, not great. Not my favorite thing. It's so frustrating because they go through such like, honestly, they did like such a good work of making us like, you know, this like Rodney, they've completely transformed in season one. You know, he can still be an asshole. We still see those traits up. Oh. Chaya, um, <laughs> like not you know we see other parts of him too, like the more like dorky and adorable, and like him ranting about his cat, like that's sweet. Like he has these really endearing moments, especially with Elizabeth and Taylor. Like he doesn't really see them like as like sex objects, like every other fucking woman apparently. Yeah. Um, but like he has such a respect, especially for Elizabeth, and they have such a partnership. And it's, it's so frustrating on every level that they will just continually be like, hey, remember? Like, oh, yeah, he's like, like I know he's like respectful with Elizabeth, but everyone else can like fuck off. Like everyone else, he's just going to treat like absolute shit, like women. You're right. You know, it's worse because we we know what he's capable of, you know? Like we know he <laughs> he's capable of better and it makes it 10 times worse and it just devolves into grossness. And it's like, it's, uh, oh my god. <laughs> because he's so mad. It's just insane to me, too. Because, like, when was it funny? First of all, it was never funny in SG1. The amount of people who, like, fucking still hate Rodney to this day and refuse <laughs> yeah. to watch Atlantis because of his actions in SG1 should tell you that it's obviously not funny. Second of all, <sighs> men. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If literally any women were in the writing room, 
They would have literally told you how unfunny this joke was from the first second he stepped onto SG-1's set. Like, it wasn't funny then, and it's still not funny now. And, like, you're literally making it worse. It's only funny... Who is it funny for? Like, I don't even know. Who's it? Do men laugh at these jokes? I'm confused. Let me know if you do. But, like... <laughs> Please try to explain this to me. Because, I like, where is the funny part of him constantly undermining, like, Sam's, like, like authority, her character, her intelligence, and just reducing her to this, like, dumb blonde and just being like, oh, yeah, I still carry a torch for you, blah, 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 blah. Like, even in Pegasus Project, like, he still is, like, making, like, these jokes. And it's like, we've seen him, like, you're just taking him ten steps back. Like, it just, it doesn't even, ugh. I wonder if the writers, just, did they laugh? Were they kiki keying over this? Like, where was the... Did they just want to make Amanda Tapping feel like shit? Like, what was the... What's the... What was the motivation? I think what makes it even worse that they continue it is that in SG-1, in the two episodes where he works with Sam... I think it's more, but, like, in the beginning, before he came onto Atlantis, Sam could could get back at him. She could... She, she talked back at him. She... she um, told him to shut up or go fuck himself or go suck a lemon <laughs> and they don't I think I don't think it's it's still not funny but at least she, she had like she she defended herself it was just something it wasn't so one-sided and I feel like later it's very one-sided that she, just he's being gross and everybody goes along with that and it's just yeah it's, it's it gets worse instead of getting better yeah, because I think in SGU, I think the character that he specifically sexualized is, which is Lieutenant James, which... Yeah, it happens <laughs> all the time. That wasn't sexualized <sighs> enough when they took a video of her in her underwear and, like, uh, with her no bra on. Like, okay, yeah. Or she was wearing a shirt and then she just didn't have a bra, but it was like... <sighs> and she's also... Get this, sorry. This is a tangent. We're going on a little tangent again. We can't stay on topic. Get this. Guess what episode she appeared in in Atlantis? Oh, I know, I know, I know. Irresistible. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so not no. only was she sexualized once in this franchise, it twice, and two different characters. Like, anyways, but yeah, I think, like, when he sexualizes or, like, when he makes those jokes about, like, her chest and stuff, she's just kind of, like, eyes up McKay or just something dumb like that. Like, she doesn't even, like, no one beats his ass for her, and it's like, okay, this is dumb. In my brain, I chalk it up to performative heterosexuality, and I just leave it at that. Yeah. That's that's my <laughs> that's my hot take on that, and <laughs> I'm gonna leave it there. No, it's true. I like no. It's a great point because it's kind of funny that like the writers clearly meant for this to be like some sort of like funny joke, but people like have just completely like warped it into something else. Like, haha, we made him gayer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fine, you want to make those jokes? Okay. We changed it into something else. Anyway, sorry, that was a long anti- that was long <laughs> I was getting mad, sorry. Yes, another thing I wanted to bring up about his um, his tape is um, his sister. Yes, he, his sister. He, I, I think it's the last thing he records um, before the tape cuts off. Um... First of all, we get the name of his sister now. It's Jeannie. And in the end, he says that if Ford, if 
forward is going to cut and everything else at least keep that part because that's really important to it and that was so fucking sweet like that's that's a whole new layer to this character we we did know before that he had a sister but i don't think we know anything else about his family and now we know that he's changed from his sister but that he obviously still cares about her and yeah i thought it was that was really really sweet you bring up an interesting point there about the fact that he was like you can cut everything but keep this because um a lot of that was him tuning his own horn and a lot of his pride and a lot of he was i think he mentioned like including some of his like scientific discoveries so the fact that her that their relationship and her knowing um, how he felt about her meant more to him than that sort of superficial stuff means a lot. And I think it's a great reflection of his growth um, throughout the season that he prioritized his family over that stuff. Because I think there's even a line there in his little monologue where he... He says that family is important, and he's come to realize that because the people on Atlantis have become his sort of surrogate family, which is, yes, everything I love about the show he just said in that sentence. Um, you know, his found family is the people of Atlantis and his team. So, yeah, I just think it's really sweet. <laughs> Beautiful. Great analysis, Tor. <laughs> I just wanted to mention, I think his, uh, him and his sister, the way that they're estranged is interesting to me. I kind of want to know why. <laughs> why? Why are you not close? Um, and I don't know if, like, canonically this is why... Uh, it's sort of hinted at, but later on in the series, I feel like they kind of suggest that it's because she decided to, like, build a family, um, instead of staying in school. Um, and I think that's interesting, and I think how their parents treated them, and particularly treated Rodney, sort of, uh, informs how he felt about her decision to leave school to have a family. And I think that's explored really nicely in, in Fic. And um, I can't wait to talk about that more when we get to her later episodes. Um, but yeah. I totally agree with uh, what you just said, Tor. And I'm really looking forward to the episodes with Jeannie. Uh, because... Because of everything you just said, and also just uh, their dynamic, it's just it's amazing, and yeah. But back to the found family, that's a theme that really runs through this episode. I think it's mentioned two or three times by different people, and I think it's amazing. And at the same time, it doesn't feel forced. Because I feel like in some in some newer TV shows, it, it feels like, look, we have a forward family here. Now accept that. And in, in Stargate, it never felt like that because we got to, to meet like the whole 
we got to meet the cast and the main characters and we got to see what they went through with um with each other and they got to know each other and yeah they they became a family and it's so sweet that both um well it's so sweet that Rodney mentions it I think Elizabeth said some says something about friends and family or something like that as well and yeah I just I, I really really love that um that they all feel that way and even if they don't say it to each other they said it, say it in the video so sweet yes I agree you raise an excellent point I feel like um with Stargate there's a lot of show and not tell um and I think that's why there are so many transformative works for the show because uh a lot of the stuff is like in the background of a scene or like a throwaway line or like they're not a lot of them are very emotionally constipated people and so we don't get these revelations of um like how they feel about each other until these serious big moments where oh we're gonna die which is not all the time um (laughs) so yeah I think that's to the show's credit um because it makes it feel more impactful when they do say stuff like that uh and it makes it feel more real you're totally right uh, and I think even Taylor mentioned something about family too um in the episode uh referring to Oren and his family and saying that they're like her family too so yeah there's a lot of that um underlying the episode for sure um that was, that was so good so sad I love I love the Atlantistan family um, I do wish, like, we had gotten emotional moments occasionally, because <laughs> yeah. I will forever complain. There is, like, three moments of the team expressing, actually saying out loud how they feel about each other. And everything else is just, like, subtle little hints. You're like, oh, hey, look, like, uh, Rodney almost killed himself to save the team. Like, I'm going <laughs> to consider that emotional. Yeah. You know, like, it's hard, you know, and it makes me kind of sad, because, like, you look at, like, uh often like compare like angel the series which is the buffy spinoff um to atlantis i think they have very similar vibes and if you look at that one that one's very like like they'll say what they're feeling and it's so funny when you compare to atlantis who just do not it's so under the surface it's so hidden like you have to like know the character and be like oh he was probably feeling this in this moment and on angel cordelia will be like oh yeah we're a family and it's like what? You guys say that out loud? I love that. (laughs) Like, teach Atlantis how to do that, please! None of them know how to do that. Um, Yeah, but no, I love it. Um, And I think it's really interesting when you compare them to SG-1, you know, Uh, because SG-1 I feel like is a lot more, at least maybe not, maybe not emotional, like, maybe not, like, verbally the same, like, but, like, they're still very, like, um, like, touchy, like, they're very, like, they're always hugging, you know, <laughs> just something that you compare to Atlantis is just not there. But I think my point is like basically just like, I just love all the found family dynamics in Stargate. Yes, even SGU. That one's a little rough, but <laughs> um, that one's rough. But I think I just love the diversity in them as well, like the different types of found family, you know, and the different ways they show 
that they are a family at the end of the day. I think it's so interesting and so sweet. And again, the best, that's the best thing about Stargate is it just it just never feels like super forced. It just feels natural. Feels natural. And I'm gonna say that I firmly believe the reason why it doesn't feel forced is because we got long seasons because we got 20 or 22 episodes per season i agree you gotta build it up you know yeah no shows that do like eight to ten episodes like how are we supposed to feel anything if we don't see their journey and they do like 10 to eight episodes um and they'll do it like you know they'll release an episode uh, season a year so it's like, okay, like, you're only going to give us eight to ten hours of content and they disappear for a year. And then we'll just forget everything about the next time we see you, you know? But yeah, no, it's sad. And I, I want the 20 episodes at least to come back. 16 to 20, like, come on, we can start slow again. We'll go to 16 and then push it to 20. Like, <laughs> please. Also, sorry, really quick, one last thing, because I didn't, uh, I forgot to say this. Uh, the genie. Thing. I love Jeannie. Love her so much. Um, and I think what I love about Atlantis too is I think it kind of builds on things I personally had issues with in SG-1. Like the biggest thing about SG-1 that like one of the biggest things that really bothers me is like the lack of like family dynamics. There's so many questions I think and I just really dislike that in all the 10 seasons they just never cared to add that layer all the characters and so i really appreciate that very early on atlantis they've established like hey yeah rodney has a sister that he's estranged from or john like doesn't even want to talk about his family you know and like um ford is raised by his grandparents most likely (laughs) you know so these little things just really add a lot and so uh i'm really excited to see more of Jeannie in the future i think her and rodney i feel like there's no debate her and rodney have like the best sibling dynamic in the franchise. Because <laughs> they're some of the only siblings we really get to see. Uh, but you know, they're great. Uh, I just have a few little notes left. Um, but one th- thing I wanted to say was, I think, you know, we talked about this, oh, you know, we talked about this a lot. But I think it sucks that as time went on, like, the Wraith kind of came less and less menacing. Because the first season did such a good job of, like, making them terrifying as fucking shit. Like, girl i'm scared like i'm worried for atlantis and i know how this is gonna go down but i'm like oh lord the wraith are coming um but i think the wraith are like i feel like their intelligence is like insane in season one like they are fucking smart the way that like they dial the gate so people can escape when i heard that i was like oh my gosh like that is horrifying and like it's that entire, like, scene of, um, like, Taylor just sitting in the jumper, Taylor and John just sitting in the jumper, and, like, listening to everyone die around them. That is brutal! <laughs> and again, like, that scene where, like, they're trying to get everyone into the jumper, and, like, John's trying to get everyone in, and, like, oh my gosh, it's just so sad, and it's, it does such a good job of establishing them as, like, formidable villains. Um, and it makes you literally terrified when you hear there's like twelve, like how many ships were coming? Like twenty, twelve? I don't know. So many. I ships thought it was only like three. 
no, no, no. I, it's okay. Regardless, like, it doesn't matter about the amount of ships. It, one could come, and I'd be like, Lord, I'm scared. But, like, <laughs> like they are terrifying, in, especially in season one. I think I want to say only season one. But, yeah, it's just neat. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. They are They are pretty terrifying. I was wondering... Um, because it just mentioned uh, the planet again where Taylor and Jonah are so um, there's this huge energy beam um, that John goes to check out and we never find out what it's about like what it is and what it does do you have any headcanons about that or any ide ideas what it could be because we just see it and it's, it's this huge thing and it's never mentioned again. Really interesting. <laughs> I forgot that they just never mentioned that again. Um, I feel like... Like, my first thought was kind of like, maybe it's like a planet killer. Like, yeah. maybe like once they're done, like, taking everyone, they just, like, plant that shit, and it, like, it just erodes the planet from the inside out, you know? But, like, it, I don't know if that's, like, good ahead again, because it's, like, wouldn't they want to, like leave like at least like five people two people alive so they can like <laughs> rebuild and so they can come back into a thousand years like it makes no sense for them to like just murk all the planets after they've taken all the people like i don't think they'd do that so yeah that's a good point i don't know oh no i was just gonna see because it's different from the the culling beam like yeah. it's not to get people to come because we've seen that before we know what that looks like um so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like a marker and they are marking the planet for either, hey, this is our planet and only we can call here or just, hey, this planet has been called or something like that. Yeah, that's a good actually, point. That would be a great um, headcanon, actually, because I think that makes a lot of sense. Um Especially about, like, the marking, like, this is our planet. Because, you know, later on in the series, they establish um, that there are, uh, like, Wraith alliances and, like, they don't all get along very well. So I think it would be really interesting if they're, like, marking their territory and being like, hey, we've been here. Like, red is our color. Y'all are the blue team. You know? <laughs> like, this is our planet. That'd be really cool, actually. Yeah, and we also learned that... Um... They can't stay in hyper um, hyperspace too long. They have to like take breaks in between when they are traveling with their ships. So an interesting they have weakness. to know where. Yeah, <laughs> and they mention that they have to drop out like a lot of a bunch of times. And I think they they just cull whatever planet is closest then, or they plan their routes along the planet. So yeah, it might be smart to to mark them. Interesting. Interesting idea. Sorry. Oh my god. I'm just did I just praise my own idea. Sorry. I just I no, just had no, this idea. It, <laughs> it is an interesting idea. Take the credit for it. No, it's actually <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's good because if you think about it to add what Sam said, you know, they wanna they don't wanna hit the same planet too often. So I could mark the planet also as like a oh we've been here like really recently anyway so like let's yeah. skip that one this time <laughs> and come back later. Okay, this is a side note. This will be a short tangent. 
But I, you know, not to be a Wraith stan. Um, <laughs> not. But I just think, like, honestly, like, I'm kind of on their side with this one. Like, I honestly feel like the show, like, didn't really, like, give a great, like, background to sort of their culture and, like, their civilization, you know? Because later on we get, like, more of, like, oh, they have queens, but, like, the queens all fight and stuff. I was like, <laughs> let me see, like, a queen council. Like, you know, Ooh. like, what's going on here? What does a Wraith homeworld look like? Like, why don't we go over there and plant a few bombs, you know? Like, that would have <laughs> so interesting to, like, see more of, like, their culture and, like, their civilization, you know, and how it differs from the ancients who are, like, their forefathers, you know, their creators, you know. Sam, you just brought up an amazing point. We don't know if the Wraith are, like, a nomadic culture or not. Like, we, we don't know if they live on a... They have a home planet. Like, do they... Like, what? That's so interesting. Huh. Like, is there one? Like, I know they kind of mentioned, like, oh, there's... there's They're always like, oh, there's a big queen. And then it's, like, not even, like, someone big. But I'm like, is there really, like, one big queen just, like, chilling in a home world somewhere? Like, just <laughs> dictating out orders? Or is there, like, a council of queens? You know? Like, how we get taylor on the council of queens like oh damn oh yeah shit. and if you killed the big queen will that like cause more disorder in the ranks and then they'll infight more and then it's better for you like these are strategies they should be thinking of you know don't A ask the council question. of queens that is so it's fucking so cool. cool it's like the knights of the round table but like women yes. <laughs> and aliens <laughs> And evil. Yes. That's cool. That's really no, cool. You're telling me, like, no one ever asks, like, oh, yeah, where do they live? Like, where's the Wraith homeworld? Like, I, don't, I honestly don't believe that, like, they just lived in ships. Because we, like, later on see that, like, they have, like, these little labs where they create people, right? Or they create, like, some of the extra Wraith and stuff. And they mm-hmm. have these little labs where they create, um, or they keep, like, people as well. So, like... I'm sure they have a home world somewhere that they can, like, I don't know, pit stop, <laughs> report their findings to the queen, be like, hey, the ancients are back. Like, or, like, because there's no way that, like, that wraith that John, like, woke up, you know? There's no, how did she tell everyone? What if, like, half the fleet doesn't even know that the, like, that there's the descendants of ancients are back? Like, they're just chilling on the other side of the Pegasus galaxy, just blissfully, like, eating their hearts out and, like, still in hibernation, you know? <laughs> I mean, a galaxy is a big place, right? Yeah. So I feel like they they probably did have at least one or, like, a council to be like, hey, guys, beep, 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 wake up, <laughs> help. <laughs> I, think, I think that has to do with their telepathic abilities. And I feel like we're going to maybe talk about this a bit more in the next episode. Mm-hmm. In The Gift. Uh, because there we actually learn a tiny bit about the Wraith. Not, a, not tons, but a bit. Um, but I think the waking up had to do with... Like, this is not... I didn't look it up. I don't know if that's canon. That's just my opinion. But I think it had to do with their telepathy and ability to communicate with each other that would actually be super cool too because it because then it'd be kind of like is there like a hive mind yeah like are they all in together like is there just like a giant hive mind like 
Well, that is insane. I want to say no because that would be too similar to the Borg from Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, th- I mean, they are called uh, like the big ships are called a hive. So maybe they have yeah. like, those, like telepathic abilities, but like it has to be like in range sort of thing. Yeah. Or maybe, or maybe like they like purposely like when you're young or whatever, like you grow up and you get like assigned to a ship, they like mentally link you with that ship. So it's like all, like they're all linked to the one hive, but it's like different hives that so are all linked to one shit individually. True. That would make sense because given like the factions and them having loyalty to yeah. their own queen, right? It would make sense that they'd be separated from each other that way. Huh. Just like I just don't believe that like they were these like nomadic people that like had like, if they had this much unrest, like, there's no way they couldn't have beat the Ancients. Like, not to give the Ancients credit for anything they do, but, like, they could have beat the Wraith easily, you know, if they were, like, this disorganized. So I just feel like... That's all this is side note, but I'm watching Deep Space Nine, and I was just thinking about it the other day, and I was like, Star Trek does such a good job at, like, building up their alien cultures. Not all of them, obviously, but some of them have, like, you know, been greatly explored. Like, the Cardassians were given so much in Deep Space Nine. And I'm like, yo, I kind of love these little lizards. Like, they're evil. (laughs) But I love them a little bit. You know? And I, like, their culture is so interesting. Like, they have all these, like, fake trials. Like, where you're just guilty no matter what, usually. And, like, rarely anyone can, like, get out of these trials. You know? But they're broadcasted for the whole nation. So, again, it's just, like, there's just these little information tidbits that you're just like, oh, shit, this adds, like, so much to this world and this culture and i think unfortunately i just not to drag the writers um <laughs> but i think the wraith honestly i feel like the wraith like are is like are the best villains like in the franchise like just overall but even then i feel like they're weak in some of these aspects because we just don't know a lot about there. i know i'm sorry i'm really dragging atlantis right now i'm sorry i'm dragging them. but um i just wish we got more to understand them and less of them just I feel like because they're just painted as like it's very like good versus evil you know I mean they eat humans yeah <laughs> like I just want to like I, not, I don't need to like sympathize with them but I just want to know like how their society works you know it's like I don't want to like <laughs> you don't have to make me feel bad for them but like if you're gonna like show like you know, them attacking Atlantis or them doing all these things, it would have been nice to, like, have a reference point, you know, to, like, how the society works. Especially because we get to know eventually that, like, the ancients made them, too. So it adds just, like, an extra level of, like, wait, what the fuck? Like, how did they evolve? Did they decide to change their civilization to make sure it wouldn't be like the ancients? Like, so many questions. The last thing I had is just that I was really, really happy to Tiny cameo of Walter and Sam in the end. Yay, Walter! Just... <laughs> and Sam just saying Atlantis. It's so oh, I I I don't know. As a like, you know, I started with SG One and I was a huge SG One fan. I still am, and um, just the first. That's the first. Yeah, the first time in Atlantis that we see Sam and just. When you watch, you watch Atlantis and it's fun and you get to new characters and you fall in love with them and then suddenly someone else 
Like it's it's kind of like from from another life pops in, <laughs> and you're like, oh hi, I know you. <laughs> I think something that uh, S G Win and Atlantis do really well is like making sure like the audience like remembers and as well like making sure the audience knows you know that like these still take place like around the same time and like in the same universe. I think they do such a good job. Mm-hmm. I think it's really great that again that they can just get like Sam for like a two-second cameo at the end but like it does so much you know and i think there are other shows that try to like like stand out like from you know the shadow of their predecessor but i think i don't know if it works all the time and i feel like sg tried that a little bit um because they kind of ignored atlantis till rodney came uh (laughs) but at least with like sgu and atlantis sorry sg1 and atlantis i think there's such a good like rapport and you really feel like, oh, yeah, these characters, like, are co-workers or, like, they're friends because they know each other and stuff. And so it's great. It just ties them together so well. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Later when we see uh, Rodney go on about cats and dogs, and I had a thought, what if at some point he had a discussion with, with Elizabeth about pets? And because <laughs> Elizabeth is clearly a dog person and, <laughs> and Rodney is a cat person, so... I don't know. I thought it would be really sweet. <laughs> have like a little debate. <laughs> yeah, that'd be huge. Uh, I was saying, I was like, I feel like most of the people on the base are cat people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's how you can divide it. I feel like SG One gives off dog energy, and Atlantis gives off cat energy. <laughs> oh yeah, I feel like John is super like cat energy. He tries to be a dog person. He puts on the front. He's like, oh, yeah, I love dogs. And then you'll see him, like, uh, holding Rodney's cat and, like, with a stroller walking him throughout Atlantis. (laughs) (laughs) I even mean, like, as a person, too. Like, I feel like, um, like, physical affection is a no-no for him. Like, only when he deigns that it's okay for you to touch him, like, is that okay? Um... And he's like a loner. Cats are typically loners. They don't like near other people. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Just know that he's <laughs> no, a cat person. <laughs> no, I, we see the vision. We see the, the vision is clear. John is cat. Um. <laughs> and I think I think not to get you know chippy about it, but I think that's why Rodney and him work so well together because Rodney's used to cats. You know what I mean. I think Atlant- uh sorry, I think uh, Elizabeth and Ronan would be the only dog people. Oh yeah. Taylor's an I interesting f- one. I know, I can't place her. I can't either. She'd be cat, but I also feel like she'd be bird. Ooh. Bird Ooh. I kinda like that. Like a really cute little like parakeet, like a like a really brightly colored parakeet. Oh my gosh, she would love that bird. She would. So we'll, like, wake her up in the morning, too, and then she'd wake up and do yoga with it, chirping in the background. Oh, it's very Disney princess vibes, but, like, warrior princess. Oh, yeah. I, warrior princess! Oh, my God. Yes, <laughs> I was I was thinking the same thing. I was trying to figure out how to pray. Yes, she's totally... <laughs> and they sing together sometimes. Yeah. Once again really upset that no one allowed pets on Atlantis because Sedgwick, come on. Ronan and Sedgwick would be best oh friends. Oh my god! 
morning we'd take him out for a run. Every yeah. morning. Oh. And then Elizabeth would take him out for walks at night. Oh, yeah. Cute. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Especially when, when Ronan is new to Atlanta. Like, he's still trying to figure out his place and everything. And, and uh, um, they'll introduce him. Oh, they just run into each other while she's walking Cedric. And, and they meet. And they... they... <sighs> They have a connection like immediately <laughs> and okay i'm gonna stop now <laughs> God, that was amazing <sighs> i'm in tears no because i'm in tears because when he said like when he's new to atlantis too like what if like he's you know he's still super shy in the beginning or like just not feeling very comfortable but what if he starts talking to sedge yes because he finds it easier to talk to him <laughs> than human. <laughs> yeah. We're spiraling. Uh, but, yeah. Actually, oh, sorry, one more thing. I forgot about this. I was going to say, I think this episode did such a good job at, like, wrapping things up in, like, a serious way. Because it's, like, there's been a lot of, like, really funny moments, you know, leadership <laughs> um a lot of really great moments but i love, love 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 that scene at the end um where things get more serious and you're watching john um and elizabeth like you know read out um their messages and like you get the music in and you're just like oh shit like wait like it, it just hits so hard and i think they really man uh, balance the tone really well i agree Okay, so after that insanely long discussion that I'm sure wasn't over three hours, um, let's head over to Ash for the Bechtel test. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This episode passes barely. We get one tiny back and forth between Taylor and Elizabeth in the end. It's like three words, but it's there. So yeah, that pass. Hmm. Yay. We'll settle. We'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and go on ahead for behind the scenes. Yep, that's me again. This episode was written by Carl Binder, and he also wrote Before I Sleep, which I like. <laughs> so good job. Um, this episode was directed by Mario Zapardi, and this is the last time he directed directed on Stargate, which is kind of sad, because this episode is really, really good. The title of the episode in other languages is, I don't have it in French, because I think in all the others it was kind of the same, but in French it's actually um, Last Messages. And yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting, because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, that is interesting. Staying with the title, uh, the title of the episode was inspired, like in, in English now, <laughs> um, was inspired by the 1987 uh, PBS TV documentary Dear America, Letters Home from Vietnam. Um, this is an American documentary film which narration consists of real letters written by American soldiers, which are read by actors including Robert De Niro and Martin Sheen. The footage includes film from the from TV news, the Department of Defense, and home movies by the soldiers themselves. So, yeah. Um, 
It is later revealed that McKay's message didn't get through to his sister. However, Shepard shows her shows it to her in McKay and Mrs. Miller, and it helps her change her view of her brother. Um, also, Terence Kelly, who plays Orin, has previously played Miles Hagen in the SG-1 episode Space Race. Um, while Zelenka is recording his message in check, detailing the rising of Atlantis from the ocean floor, he is asked if he said anything that would re- require security clearance. Funnily enough, uh, while he talks, there's an Aquada reactor generator in the background, which is classified technology. And last but not least, Tori Higginson rewrote some of her lines for a personal message to Simon, which initially ended with, I love you, honey, I love you. And Tori felt that this didn't seem like her. True. Good. That's it. (laughs) Glad that she got to rewrite that. That would have been really strange. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, thank you for the behind the scenes, Ash. And um, now we'll just say our little wrap up thoughts. Um... I can go first. Um, I like this episode. I really do. I see the hype. <laughs> I really did forget about this episode. Uh, shame on me. Bad, bad Sam. Um, but no, I really liked it. I think there was a lot here, as evident by how long <laughs> this episode was. Um, but we, I feel like we really um, analyzed things, and you just get to know so much about the characters little really subtle details that I think is really cool and very necessary I think by this point um so yeah I'd probably give it like honestly I feel like I'd just give it a 10 out of 10 like I don't know why like I feel like there's no reason to give it anything less than like like I really have like very little complaints like most of my complaints were about like the race (laughs) or like (laughs) that aren't even in this episode like you know like it's just future complaints um but (laughs) no 10 out of 10. Um, yeah. With the little asterisk that says, except for the Rodney and Nico part. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to piggyback off that and say I love this episode. Um, best clip show of the franchise, 100%. Um, really great character moments. I like the action. I like that we got to see why the Wraith are scary. Again, this is reinforced right before our big showdown with the Wraith, which I think is important because they've kind of been in the background a little bit since the beginning of the season. Uh, yeah, I'd say like 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, maybe in between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What else can I say? I, I love this episode. It's I think it's one of my favorite even of the season, which is so because Ooh. I it makes you forget that it's a clip show. And the clips they show they make sense. And um yeah, I I like I like all the personal stuff. I like that even though like they could have just made all the videos and then for example, Taylor wouldn't have had anything to do with that because she doesn't have anyone on Earth because she's not from Earth. Um, but we still got a storyline with her, so the whole team was involved, kind of. This time for real, even even Ford. And um, 
yeah, it's 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 uh, what you said before. It's just such a great wrap up for for what <laughs> what we've seen so far. And um, yeah, I was about the rating. First, I was going to say yeah, nine out of ten, but yeah, I don't really have any complaint except yeah, Miko, which is mm, like the Rodney Miko part. Um, so I think it's a 10 out of 10 for me as well. Nice. Okay. And that is a wrap on Letters from Pegasus. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Um, be sure to go check out our social media, everything linked in the show notes, which we will do <laughs> for all the things we talked about. Um, and tune in next time for The Gift. Bye. All right, you clowns, listen up. I don't often get a chance to say this, so savor it. Good work, boys and girls. Let's go home.